Thanks for tuning in to the World XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please drop us up, drop a like, and let us know your thoughts below in the comments. Also, please consider supporting our podcast via the link below. It really helps us out. Now, a word from our sponsors. Welcome, Omar, to the World XP Podcast. We've had you on once before, obviously, with a conglomerate of the uh, the younger guys that didn't know how to answer questions quite yet. Um, but this time we got you back. It's just you. Uh, it's been an, a little bit. We've been keeping in touch here and there. But And then for those listening, obviously, Happy New Year. This will be out uh day after New Year. So Happy New Year to everybody listening. Um, this is yeah, the first episode after New Year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, so much pressure, bro. There's no pressure. No pressure compared to the development of a prodigy soccer player. This no, is that's, nothing. That's, that's the easy part. That's the easy part. <laughs> yeah, it's the easy, so, that's the easy part. This is, not, this is harder than that. Uh, you'll do great, I'm sure. We'll get it here. We'll go easy first. What's your? Do you watch the U.S. in the World Cup? What were your thoughts? Yes. Um. Messi, man, you yeah. know me. Yeah, as, as everyone knows me by now, and everyone knows throughout the World Cup, you know, before the World Cup, um, I've said it. You know, I've said it. Messi, this this, this has to be Messi's World Cup. So many past World Cups, so many Copa Americas, where it's right there for a tap in, and the gold ball is going wide. This one, it's a different chip on his shoulder. And then last year, people didn't understand. Last year was more. Let me shut it down. Let me relax. Let me get, you know, body, everything healthy where I can go six, seven games, 90 plus minutes and be effective. Not even, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, uh, look, he's walking around. That walking around doesn't show you the four or five other people that constantly have to look this way just to see where he is. And in the span of one second, that attack can happen on the other side with Dimitri and kind of tapping the goal. So, um, really happy about the U.S.'s play as well. I watched all of the U.S. games, um, and, and and it was Argentina's World Cup. No one else. No one else. Yeah, it was. I fully agree. People were asking, like, who I wanted to win once I got to, like, the semifinals and the final. I was like, you can't have anybody else but, but Messi at this point um, win it. And let me and, tell you this, dude. Yeah. Let me tell you this. I never panicked after that, after that game versus Saudi Arabia. Hmm. As a matter of fact, that was maybe one game where I had probably had a session early in the morning, and I thought Argentina was playing on the next day. So I missed that, and then when I woke up in the morning and I'm seeing all these, you know I'm going to get the Messi banter every time Messi does something wrong, Argentina or PSG loses, whatever it is. So I'm looking at all these messages, and none of them say good morning, you know, because the game was so early. So I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be a long one. Yeah. I don't like all the, all the like people on ESPN and whatever, wherever they were like, no, Argentina's not going to win anymore. One bad performance. People forget also that Spain lost their first game in 2010, I think to Chile. Maybe I think it was to Chile, two one, and then they go on and I don't think they, I don't think they conceded another goal for the entire World Cup in 2010. But yeah, for Argentina, like the, the situations that they. They kept fighting in all the situation, like the Holland game. They come back to no, the France game as well. Mbappe scores his two. That second goal was bonkers as well. Um, but like they kept, they were able to. There's a lot of teams that would have collapsed at that point and conceded the third, and they didn't do that. 
So that's probably the only thing that that's the only like as a coach, you know what I'm saying, as a coach or as a player that's watching the game, you're supposed to watch these games and take an example out of it. And when something like that happens to a team with very, very good players, you know, giving up a two O lead, which is common. We always see it on the sidelines or as players, we always see it. You know, it can be Saturday, it can be Sunday, we always see it, but to see it on that level, you know, to see it on that level and um, to only is the easiest lead to ever come back from. First goal is confidence and momentum, and next goal is bang. Now you're you're hoping to get to overtime or whatever it is. So um, just from a coaching perspective and from playing and, and, and training, you never want to be complacent as a, as a footballer. Like, the score is 2-0. You know, the whole first half you've dominated. So now your back line shouldn't take the foot off the pedal and make a mistake like that to let the team back in the game. So, but overall, man, it's just, you're going to have, there's three things you can never control in the game or, you know, when you're on your way to a game. One is the referee. The other is the ball. And the other one is it's, 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 whether it's raining, whether, no, it's just the referee, the surface, Mm-hmm. Okay, the playing surface, and number three, uh, the, the the weather. Like you can't control. There's a rainy day, a nighttime, a daytime, an afternoon, a sunny day. So, but you can control a two-zero lead. You know, you can control a two-zero lead. Two-zero lead. You know, if you continue to play and press and 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 and, and connect the way you were connecting in the midfield with one-two touches to break down the whole first or second line of defense then you should stay on that, you know. Uh, another thing that as coaches or when I'm watching it as, as, as a coach, when I'm watching the game, um, I'm looking at how, you know, sub, you know, uh, is he a super sub or is the player that you just took off the one that was creating all the danger for you? For example, before France started to come back, to, uh, well, Jules Koundé had his hands full with, with Di Maria. You see what I'm saying? He had his hands full. But the minute you brought in Acuna and the score is still 2-0, and now you're trying to be defensive on both sides as the left back and the left winger, both being left back. Acuna is the left back. And who was playing behind them? Uh, Tagliafico. Tagliafico. Tagliafico is the left back. So now you've lost that attacking ability on that side of the field. And when you start to see his press getting higher and higher up the field, because the release points in the press would be the wingers or the striker, and the, the, the winger that you have on the left is a, it's a left back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, left back. we also don't know his Di Maria's fitness levels because I think he had he was carrying um, an injury or something. But but yeah, no, of course, the, those substitutions were hugely important. I think Deschamps. By the same token, to take off Giroud and uh, Dembele before halftime is like that's a big call to bring on those two that he did, and they made uh, Kolomani won the penalty, almost won it at the end of extra time. It's a, another good sub, and the coaching you can see these decisions in and out like the tournament, and there's lots of. I think there was, I can't think of one. Obviously, the the Di Maria one for Acuna, but I can't really think of one where I was like, that coach horribly got it wrong for the whole, like, 
like uh, overall i think yeah. the the analysis was like the coaching was good yeah it was it was a it was a good world cup it was a very good world cup i wanted one to ask you actually one of our coaches actually went to the world cup oh really yeah uh, coach ben went to the world cup that's awesome to experience that oh i need to do well i guess we'll we'll have to do it in uh 26 you know because it'll be here so we'll be good to go i'll hold you on that um i did have i did want to hear your thoughts on the usa england game i know it's been a little while since that game happened but there was a lot of people that were saying that england were just were just bad and then other people were saying no the u.s played really well and i think probably somewhere in between but i was very very impressed with Eunice Musa and Tyler Adams in particular in that game. Um, Bro, but I wanted I wanted you, to okay? ask your thoughts on it because I talked with Lucas, your cousin, and he was like, nah, England, we're just bad. You guys didn't do anything. You just parked the bus and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't – I disagree with that, but I wanted to hear your thoughts. Bro, let me tell you, okay, we've arrived. Okay, we have arrived. And I tell you that because I actually got off um, – as banter to my boys here, they're all players, and uh, I'm currently in London. So when I'm getting, when I was getting off the airplane at Heathrow, uh, I had my long winter jacket on. But on top of it, when it was time to get off the airplane, and I passed through customs, I pulled over to the bathroom and I put my USA jersey on. Right, and when I came out, my boys were looking at me like, "You must not want to ride." Blah blah blah. So we get in the car and they're like, "Oh, this." You guys have arrived, and uh, it helps a lot. It helps a lot uh, that 95 or 90% of that roster is currently playing in Europe. You know, they're playing on the European team. So they are seeing these players that's at the World Cup um, week in, week out. They're used to the atmosphere. They're used to the environment, the tempo, the speed of play. They're no longer just playing, uh, I wouldn't say meaningless games, but the stakes in these league that they're playing in, the trainings that they're undertaking, let's say the entire season, which might be seven, eight months, over the course of four years, is really attributing to that. You know, uh, there was instances, let me tell you, there was instances in that England-US game, uh, let's say uh, about 10 to 15 minutes spurts in the second half that England could not get out of their own half. You know, the pressing uh, the counter-attacking right after winning the, the ball on the press, uh, just intensity, uh, matching their, you know, matching their um, uh, strength on the ball, off the ball. It was like, okay, we're here now. We're here. So there's future generations. There's a lot of good, good players that now at a young, early age from the United States are in Europe already, which means, you know, two, three, four World Cups. They will have that experience when they play right away. They're playing in the under 20, under 21s now. Uh, a lot of kids in the area or in the U.S. in general are getting all these experience games against Spain and, and France. So it starts to build up. You know, you, you can't you can't build a coliseum in one day. But you lay the bricks and bricks and bricks. Eventually, they turn into a wall, and next thing you know, you have something there. So it was a big step. You know, the U.S. this year, the team, was a very big step for the future generation of a lot of the kids. You know, football now is 
especially here in America, is because it's becoming becoming well known. It's becoming more and more and more followed. So to see a seven year old or eight year old come to practice, you know, and say, "Hey, I watched the U.S. game today. Let's go." That that's gonna tell you, okay, we're heading in the right direction when it comes to competing in the near future. Yeah, hundred percent. And to your to your point about the younger players going in into Europe now, you've been a, I'll say, big contributor to a few of the ones um, that have gone over recently. What is it like for you to see these kids that you've worked with since their early teens get these moves to whatever club, whatever Belgian club, That's Germany, wherever cool. it is? What's it been like for um, one you? One thing about those kids, one thing about those kids that, you know, I'm going to be very honest with you as a coach. You, know, you can never take credit for what was planned for a kid from the higher perspective, you know, what God had them destined to become, you know? Of course, but, but you get to watch comes, their growth. But when it comes from just watching them on the daily, okay, it's, it's, it was the attitude and, and how much they wanted it for themselves, you know. Uh, I don't want to give you names, but there's players where their current situation could not have gotten better for the entire family or for the entire, you know, surrounding. If they didn't take it upon themselves to be special, uh, they spent time and hours on the field when no one was watching. So they 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 take things out of let's say, training sessions that you do with them, and they'll go do it again by themselves on the next day when you're not scheduled to train with them. So the need, the want, the want to just get better, you know, the attitude, the, the okay, no one is watching me today, but I know on game day when everyone is watching, I want to show that I did five days of work, uh, week work instead of two days. Um, it's special, man. It's special. Uh, we keep in touch. A lot of those guys, we keep in touch. We do go over, hey, do you remember this? Hey, do you remember that? Um, you go from you go from steps in life where you're coach and then uh, they become professional enough where everyone knows them in public. So now you're like, hey, you don't have to call me coach. You're good now. You, you earned it. You know, We can be friends. And then you leave the whole friend thing and, oh, that's my big brother. You know, anytime I need advice on this or uh, I had a bad game or did you watch the game, what did you think? So the relationship evolves as they evolve as players. Um, they're special in their own ways. There's a lot of young guys in the DMV that made it. There's ones that are continuing to battle to make it. But they're all different. They're all different. And it's a, it's a joy to watch them, and it's a joy to watch them. Um, and you know, it's, it's, some days are good days, and some days are real days. So we still keep it real. Um, what did you do to have a bad game? Or what was so good about the game that you were calling it a good game? We really get into it to the point where it's it's, it's all love. There's this I can't hide nothing from you, and. If you watch yourself play two times or three times, you'll see what we're both talking about. Yeah, 100%. I like that you called it good days and real days instead of good and bad. But that question was no kind of... No bad days. No bad days. Yeah. That question was born out of um, 
I was at one of your trainings a few years ago, and we were working on like early low driven crosses. Like, like we had a bunch of outside backs and wingers there, and I think the train. I think that session was on a Thursday or a Friday, maybe. And that that Sunday, that sit that exact situation that we had worked on happened in the game, and I swung a one touch driven ball in early cross. Remember. Yeah, yeah, and you you happened to be like right now, on. Now let me test line. your memory. Huh? Let me test your memory. Go for it. Let me test your memory. Okay. What was the jersey color and the shorts color in that game? The jersey color and the what? And the shorts. We were wearing blue, black, black shorts, black socks. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. Bingo. You were right, right on the sideline. But man. you remember that. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah, you were right on the sideline, and I remember turning to you, and like, cause I, you and I both knew immediately, like, what had just happened, and you were like, "See," and I was like, "I know." <laughs> but even that moment, like at that point, I hadn't been training with you for for that long. But even that moment, like, I could see you were happy that it happened for me, and that was really cool to see. And so, for people that you've been working with for years and years and years that have hit hit those levels that was where that question was born out of because i can tell could tell still can tell that when you train it like watching watching a kid succeed off like it's and i'm i'm starting to experience it now myself as a coach and trainer watching watching the your kids succeed is like there's not really a feeling that's like that can I give you an advice? Mm-hmm. Train, train with purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so deep if you really think about it. Train kids, train teams with purpose. Train them in a way where if they leave you today, the next coach that gets them will understand they came from a good coach. Mm. You know? Put these kids in situations where they will see it on game days. Now, we did the logo. Let me tell you, E. We did the low-driven crosses because of the uh, level of the player, the level of the players you guys were in. But as you start to see these younger kids, now that you know that lower-driven ball and where technique and where it comes from, when you get these younger players, you got to take them from here and be able to get them to be able to do that driven ball by the age of 15 and 16 because that's when they're on the you know, people, a lot of teams, a lot of agents, a lot of scouts, they're looking for 13, 14, 15-year-olds. The youngest may be nine. By 16, 17, uh, it's, it's there, you know? That's when it's hot. It's, the food is hot. That's when they want to eat. By 20, 21, 22, if you're not already first division, USL, or somewhere overseas, has to shrink. The window starts to shrink. Yeah. So it's, it's you have to train with purpose. That kid that you see, uh, got to be able to read the kid. You know, when you're first seeing the kid, what are his tendencies? What is this kid's character? You know, a lot of uh, if a kid, Eric, if a kid can go, if a kid can go and score seven goals for you in one game, okay, it's up to you not to stop him from scoring that seven goals, 
but to add more to his plate, to evolve his mind. Mm -hmm. But what starts to happen is, go, 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 score these goals, okay? And by the time he gets to a certain age where another player is as fast as him, another player is as strong as him, or those two, three defenders in the back know how to pressure and cover, so now no one is no longer biting, what else did you teach him? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you really, um, you have to be able, you have to be able to teach the game first before you start to enjoy the way a kid plays. And even when you start to see them playing well, you can't, you can't fall in love with a kid's game. You got to be able to fall in love with their potential. Where could mm -hmm. they be? You know what I'm saying? I see him now here, but in five years, if he's right now nine or ten in five years, where could this kid be? You know, yeah. as a coach and as a former player, uh, as a teammate, as someone that watches the game, someone that understands the game, you've got to be able to look at a kid at nine, ten years old, eleven, and be able to tell because of his characteristics, his tendencies, his IQ, his, his, his DNA, his background, his mom and dad play. You know, some of that does matter. Mm -hmm. um, you've got to be able to tell whether he'll be a very good club player, a very good high school player, a very good uh, community college player, a very good college player in general, a very uh, a pro player. And then as a coach, because you have, you ha you're going to have a whole lot of kids mixed. Okay, you're going to have a whole bowl of kids mixed that because my fingers are not the same length, okay, that's just the way of, uh, we're created. We're not going to be all the same footballers. My teammate might get further than me, but the coaches and the directors and, and the administrators and, uh, and the managers and everyone that's involved in the club should at least know this kid is going to learn something about this game that he's going to go use out there in the real world. Uh, football is at least football in the United States. This is what I've learned. I'm not from here. Uh, I grew up here. I went to school here the same way everyone else did. I played school. So football in general in the U.S. after we've invested, let's say, eight, nine years of club ball should at least be able to make you good enough to go play for college. Correct? Yeah, yeah I agree. And, and, and that's the least. That's the least. We want to be able to see kids. Give yourself a chance to go to school, and because you're in the way, you're progressing the right way, someone will see you along the way. And if someone doesn't see you, we've sent players in different places because of what they're able to do. Uh, I'm in England at the moment. Uh, the last, let's say, seven months, I've been in England five times. So uh, you have to know what's in front of you. You have to train them with purpose, and you have to have a vision for each kid. Yeah, I've got three or so kids in that 10, 11 range, and they're all completely different. Um, and there's one uh, that I've had for when I first got him is wasn't is just like a, a kid that didn't know what he was doing. And now I'm I've been able to help him with some mechanical stuff and some other stuff. And now I'm starting to incorporate the things that I learned from your trainings with um, some of the kids 
that are around that age and watching him improve, but then improve, but also starting to be not necessarily for position specific, but turning him into just a footballer that can know the game and understand why we take like why what I tell him all the time is I, I give you the tools and you have to make the decisions on the field and I can help you understand why to make those decisions. But once it gets on the field, I can't play for you, but I can help you get all the tools that you want. And this kid, I I was telling Jenna this the other day, I was spoiled with this kid because if we're like, Oh, we're going to do 10 of this touch. And if he gets the, t- if he gets one wrong, he's like, no, I need to do another one until I, until he gets it right. And to get that from a kid at 11, like this kid, when I first got him, I was like, mm, I wasn't so sure. But now, like you said, the potential on him is like, if he keeps working in his way. So yeah, like you said, it's like to, to change the purpose and to have that vision for each of them is like, I've been learning that as I've been going. So to hear you and I, hadn't quite put it into words in the way that you just did. So to hear it put into kind of a succinct like way was super helpful. So I've been thinking that. about writing a book by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a lot of topics on mine that I, I would love to cover. It's, it's busy, Eric, busy season. Yeah, of course. But in but the future, in the future. People, people would, I think people would read it like the one of the things about today's sort of world where people can do a podcast or write their own book and and do things like that. And you don't have to kind of go through the traditional gatekeepers is there's people like you that like when I trained with you for what a, a year or whatever, I feel like I got so much better as a player more than, like that year, I think I got the most, like improved the most of all of my years as a player. And we didn't do one-on-one stuff and we didn't do like, I was in only the group stuff, but like I tried to take all the stuff that you said and either we get how I saw fit or like use it in, in the game. I didn't take what you said as I have to do it this way every time because coach Omar said so, but I was like, this is an option now that I have in my, in my, toolkit that I can now use on the field and understanding that some of the stuff that I was like, Oh, I don't know if that's like a, should I play that pass? And you're like, yes, you should play that pass because you have the technical ability to do so. And it's on like, for me as a outside back splitting the line to the striker's feet, it's like, yes, that's a pass that should be played because when you get up to the next level, the striker should be able to hold the guy off, handle it. And that's how you break the press. And like learning those little nuances from you, like really helped me take off. So like for you to be able to write a book and not to toot my own horn, but I think I see the game in a fairly sophisticated way. And so to learn all of those things from you, I really, I really, I really, I really honestly, E, and this is something we might be able to do together in the near future. I really just want to be able to educate parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to just educate parents on, on football landscape here in the U.S., where it is, where it was, let's say, 30 years ago, where it's heading, uh, what the college landscape looks like, uh, how, let's say, all these international players coming into D1 schools is really going to affect your child 
and you know what to do oppositely to combat that because let me just give you an example here i'm a college coach as well um i'm a college coach as well i've seen let's say i've seen a very very good player that comes out of high school in let's say prince george's county uh that comes from a low-income family and has never actually could never afford a big club right and then I would get a very very good player from a big club because grades wasn't good in high school so now I have to go this route in order to end up with the D1 that I would end up with so now you get these kids and you start to see you start to see at the next level your age, where you played, you know, who who you were, what your accolades are, none of it matters, you know. So now what's happening is you have a lot of D1 schools that, I mean, you can go look at, your, look at it yourself. Anyone can go look at their favorite schools and figure out that every, let's say, D1 school now has, at least they would have a seven, international players and the max they will have is about 15 16 so as a parent just being informed that here in the u.s you tend to lose your mind for nine years going to this club and going to this tournament and going here and going there only to find out there's 15 kids that's coming from overseas that's going to spend the next four years potentially playing ahead of your kid okay now, when those four years is up, these four kids, because these, these 15 kids, that's internationals, because they don't have U.S. citizenship or whatsoever, a lot of MLS clubs are not willing to invest into uh, international roster spots on them. So what would happen is they would go back home, and the kid that all of a sudden sat for the last four years or possibly played his senior year but didn't get freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year development at a next level in college where, you know, the size the size comes into effect and, and now you gotta be playing more with your mind and your stamina has to change. A lot of things has to grow during that college season and a lot of players are not getting that. So you're starting to see more and more players go four years schools and afterwards they're going straight into coaching. You know, there's no team or there's no there's no scout or there's no agent. They're going into coaching or they're going into work. So uh, just an educational kind of thing to be able to share with parents and relate with parents and to say, hey, this is what happens all the time. This is how you can combat it. This is what you can go do different. You know, these are the places that we can potentially send you to um, to be seen, to be evaluated, to be told, hey, this is what you need from a different perspective. Yeah, I I agree. I I talk to a fair amount of parents that just have no no idea about any of it, and it's difficult for for me to a certain extent to a certain extent because I didn't play really in college, and I didn't play I didn't play organized basically from like the time I graduated high school until like 2019. So like six years, I didn't really play organized and it wasn't college. It was in 
so I get it's like the adult sort of like elite amateur status, which is like is a good level, but it's not it's not like it's just different. Um, and so I, yeah, to be able to well, one I could use <laughs> I could use a lot of the information that you're speaking to, but I think the parents I think the parents could as well. Obviously, I have the 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 knowledge from like this is how good a player if they want to play at such and such level, they probably need to be about this good or have this, like, so I have all that, but the rest of the stuff, I'm almost, I'm not in the dark, but it's changed a lot in the last five, 10 years since I was playing. Like even the D, even some of the D3 schools have, are starting to get more, more international guys recently. I've noticed. Thank you, man. Knowledge is power. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, especially when we're involved and we're so invested into the sport because our children love it. It's very good to just know. Um, very good to understand your child as well. You know, it's very good to understand the child as well. So. Um, Eric, no lie, uh, uh, you will have, you, you got to know the differences between, yeah, as a parent, you have to know not to go look at another kid because that kid is, is, is good, or you got to be able to look at it as, where can my son be? You know, I know where my son is now, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there's a difference, there's a difference um, between a coach and a parent in terms of the conditional love aspect. You know, that's just that, that that feeling towards the child from a parent is there. With a coach, the feeling is there. You know, a very good coach is not going to fall in love with how and who you are now. Mm -hmm. You know, so to be able to know what you have at home, what you're raising, uh, how much can you financially support what it is this child wants to do, at 14, 15, you got to be able, while you're playing club ball, you got to be able to cut two, three tickets to go overseas. If the phone rings, then the opportunity comes. Yeah. If the phone rings yeah. and you don't take it, there's going to be somebody else just waiting. And I was, so, um, a couple years ago, um, after Mexico and the Loudon, the Loudon stuff and whatever, I was talking to, uh, Jenna's parents and they're like, what do you mean they can just call and ask you to come tomorrow? I was like, yeah, they can. If I don't, some kid will just do it. Like, it's like, yeah, that's how it works. Stepping foot in that world has taught me a lot. Like, just even, I, I wouldn't, I didn't even really step foot. I like dipped my toe in, basically. But like, it's crazy. It's crazy. And the amount of, talent and i was uh i was talking with somebody about this but like the amount of the amount of players that are at like the will give you a trial level is actually a lot and the amount like what it and you have to get so lucky whether it's injuries or knowing somebody or the phone ringing at the right time or you fit this team in a certain way or some team happens to need a like your position like all these things have to all these dominoes have to go right um, what about the one-year contract? 
and that as well. Yeah, like you, even it's, it's it's hard for the some of the guys that's playing as well. Yeah, you know. I think um, what USL USL only does one year, right? Maybe two two years, two years. I don't know what they give you. But I think uh, you can do more than a year. A team should only have to sign you one year. Uh, what if you're their best player and you play that one year and you can walk out the following year? So there's no insurance. So I highly doubt they only do one year contract. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I wanted to touch on a little bit. Um, so obviously, when you were doing your training stuff, and then you had you had the vision that you wanted to to turn that into a full like a club. What what about or where were you in life or were you personally where were you with the training stuff that you were like yeah this is this is a step that i want to take um rather than just staying at where you were because i think you were doing you were doing just fine where you were but you had it in you that you wanted to create something something more what went into that decision from a not necessarily from like a we have to do these four things but like from a mental like where were you that you're like i want to create this um yeah honestly um i'm pretty sure you know lambo as well Mm -hmm. um while we've been doing trainings while we've been doing trainings lambo and i had um two independent teams we had two younger teams. Um, younger teams at the time, three, four years ago, uh, were 2012. So let's say they were about seven years old. You see, they were seven years old. So Lambo and I used to go from, let's say, training with older kids, going and yelling in college, and then coming down to seven-year-olds and being able to enjoy teaching the game to you know, blank canvases in front of you. Like, it used to be the funnest time. So, um, as you know, Lambo is the founder of, co-founder of Touch Kings as well. Um, Coach Brian, uh, he's also the co-founder of Touch Kings as well. So, um, myself, I never had, let's say, academy. I came into, I came to the U.S. Uh, I don't really share a lot of personal about myself. Uh, I came to the U.S. at the age of nine. Uh, from the age of three to nine, I lived in a refugee camp. Uh, we never, we never had academies, we never had turf, we never had, heck, we didn't have a ball. Like, our ball used to be made of these things and, you know, rubber bands. And, but when I tell you, when that ball kicked off, we were kids. We were kids. We just, all we did was go to school, play, go to school, play, play, play. So when we came here and, uh, right around high school, when let's say we learned the, we learned the language and started to play in parks and people started to see, then there was, hey, come play for my team and we'll take care of this, we'll take care of that. Um, Brian played, Brian played professionally as well, played in Ireland. Uh, Lambos played against El Shea. You know, it's these. So our vision is just mirrored to the point where we said, okay, um, we can train kids. We can develop kids. Uh, we've had kids. We've had, let's say, we've had kids together 
uh, since they were seven and today some of those kids are 11, uh, we can be a club. We can be a club. Uh, we can really will be a small club. But eventually, if we handle and we train and we treat every kid and parent that's currently in front of us the right way, more parents will come. Uh, we're in the DMV where kids change teams all the time in season, uh, postseason, after season. Uh, but if you take care of the subjects in front of you, okay, if you take care of the subjects in front of you, um, you start to see it on game days. You start to see it at tournaments that, hey, who's that club? Who's that team? Uh, and then you start to transition from it being a, uh, a club that has two, three teams to currently 12 teams. And we're currently, let's say, from U16 all the way down to 2015. Um, uh, you start to perform, you start to treat kids right. Hey, it keeps saying low battery on my headphones, by the way. Um, you keep taking care of those kids. Uh, things like a corporate sponsor comes in. You know, the, the board members come in. Touch Kings Foundation comes in. Uh, and the growth is just there, man. It's there. We, we, we've always been very good on the field, but to be able to take that and structure it in a way where, no, we're only not training one kid or five kids in a group, group training session. Now we're actually producing very good players. Uh, if we get them at six, we know by the time they're 16, because of what we've been able to do with other players in those similar situations, we'll be producing a lot of very good players. So uh, the passion for the game, you know, the, the ability to see how you want a kid to grow, what aspects that you want to be able to grow in the kid's game, what does he have already. Um, it just, all of that comes into equation, you know. Uh, can you get up every day uh, super, super early? Can you do it seven days a week? You know, are you made for it? Uh, what's your drive like? Are you willing to, let's say, drive a car down to Orlando because it has all the equipment in it that you can't really take? That some you know everyone can't take on the airplane, so it's you gotta be you gotta love it, you know you gotta love it. And I found uh, very blessed. I've I've known these guys for a long time. Uh, we've been together for a long time. We were let's say teammates and friends before we actually uh, decided to just put our energy, our minds together to be able to benefit younger kids together. And when you're doing it with others. Uh, that have the same alignment as you do, the same understanding. Uh, you have to be able to delegate. You know, uh, I always say you can't build a good club if you can't if you don't build good people to run the club. Okay, so you can try to run the club and be there and exhaust yourself and be able to run, and you will run yourself to the ground if you take that route. Uh, you know, you will do good for two years, but it starts to de de deplete you as a person. It's, but when you build very good people who've already been there, who already understand the game, who can teach the game, and then now you have directors and you have board members and you have, let's say, uh, all the way down, you have team managers, then the coaches just have to focus on coaching. Okay, and we have a saying at Touch Kings, before you're able to coach a kid, you got to be able to teach a kid. Okay, so 
we will coach you on Saturday or Sunday, but Monday, Wednesday, Friday, those three days when your child has training, we're teaching your child. And that, that, that's just, it, 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 they tend to understand it after a while that, hey, I am getting better because my mind is growing, not just my, 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 my physique. You know, I'm just not running with the ball anymore. I know when to slow down, when to create for another player, when to use up space, when to hold up, when to go. I've become this player where I just have so much knowledge that now I pick and choose. You know, I pick and choose. So uh, it's it's a blessing. It's a blessing. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. There's, uh, there's minimal things. There's people that, let's say, don't get enough enough credit for where touch kings is or what touch kings is doing you know touch kings is not a name it's not a face uh we did do a lot of trainings with touch kings when we first started you know lambo and i um brian was in maryland but brian was never a lot on camera so you can't really say you hear about touch kings and it's one person that you know the face comes on it's there's so many people you and i tell you so many people uh, coach Jackson, unbelievable coach. Coach Ben and Dijon just won uh, the 4A state championship in high school at Bowie High School, and they're ranked, you know, top top ten in the ESPN poll every year. Uh, coach Dijon was just the coach of the year for the New York Post. So there's so many people that's constantly doing and pushing, you know, kids to get better on and off the field, whether it's our, our oldest team right now is 20, uh, uh, 2007s back to back state champs. Uh, they won it one year and they lost in double overtime this past year. They go again for the third time, but they're only U 16 and there's few kids, Eric, there's few kids on that team. That phone is ringing from college coaches already. And they're only freshmen. Mm. You know, we're like, hey, hold up. If you like him now, what could he look like in three years when he's actually a senior? Well, we're definitely keeping in tabs if that's the case. So it's so many people that just do the daily uh, under, I, I'll call them undercover, underground. Like they, they, they handle it in a way. We have an administrator that's unbelievable, okay? She, we have a scheduler that's unbelievable to be able to juggle so many teams, fields, uh, players. You know, one thing we try to do different over at Touch Kings is if we see a player is a little bit more advanced for his own age group, we make it open for that player to be able to play up. If he's if he's good here as well, test him up again. But in order to do that, there's someone that no one knows about that's doing the scheduling of all the games to be able to make sure that kid can make those three games. Mm-hmm. You understand? So it's uh, myself, Lambo, Brian, we're, we're now we're more visible. We're more around with so many people that deserve credit for where Touch Kings is, what Touch Kings is doing. Um, and then again, it, it was a vision for it. You know, it was a vision for it. We, uh, we're not done working hard, but we work so hard to get to to get to get it to where it is, structure it, and have the right people get in there and and, and just work for the teams and the kids. That's awesome. It genuinely, is I told you this. I don't. Know, I probably told you this on camera as well, but I'm super happy that you guys were able to 
to do this because all of the people that I know who are involved and all of the players that I've that I know that have been through that sort of I'll say club system training style etc they're all one they're all talented players but two they're all good people as well like one of the things that and I don't know if you you mentioned this to me before but it's like you're you're coaching the person and the player um and that's something that I just think you guys are doing it in a really a really good way for for the kids and for the for the players and and the parents know that when their kids are with you that they're getting more than just oh my kid is the fastest one so he's gonna go up top and they're just we're just gonna hit hit long balls to him because there are plenty of clubs that are that are like that and um. And it's Route a very one unique. Football, that's what we call it. Route one yeah. football. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's awesome to see. It's really it, like it really is because there's so many I don't know. You guys are just doing it right, I think. I'm super happy for you guys. Genuinely, genuinely. Appreciate it. Really um, appreciate it. I know it's super late over there, so we'll go with one more one more question uh, and then we'll then we'll wrap things up. Um but if you had maybe one or two pieces of advice for players in the sort of early high school that are trying to figure out what they want to do with themselves soccer wise. And, and then how, I guess, how to approach those years. What would it, what would it be? Um, depends on the age. Depends on the age. Uh, but broader advice for all players or upcoming players or players who have ambitions. Um, you got to become obsessed. Okay? When you hear this word work hard or hard work, positive attitude, commitment, you got to get obsessed. Okay? You have to be obsessed with uh, watching the game, watching yourself after you just finished playing, Studying your position, doing position analysis, listening to other coaches, watching, you know, YouTube uh, traits, characteristics, positive ones, you know, of your favorite player. You can never be the next Neymar, but you can be the next you. And in order to get there, you have to be obsessed with getting better. Well, there's this, this uh, when, let's just say on a game day, uh, when you're giving 110%, okay, always remember this. When you're giving 110% on the field, only you can feel it. Only you can feel it. And the way you can feel it, you can feel your throat, you can feel your, your, your heartbeat at, at the cage, uh, your breathing, because you're giving 110%. But when you're giving 50%, Everyone that's watching can tell. Everyone that's watching can feel it. You understand? So be obsessed. Be obsessed with getting better. Be obsessed, you know, that you can get better. Uh, break it down. Uh, let me just break it down for the young athlete. 30 minutes Monday. 30 minutes Tuesday, one hour. 30 minutes Wednesday. 30 minutes Thursday, two hours. 30 minutes Friday. 
two and a half hours, two and a half hours times four another week, four weeks. Uh, you have about nine ten hours times six months. Now you have how many hours that you worked? Now within that work, within that obsession, have to break it down to what is it that you can do well already, and what is it that you need to get better at. How can you get better at it? What's the fastest way you can get better at it? What's your repetition like? What videos or what advice are you seeking or getting from what source is going to help you get there faster? So obsession with information, obsession with going outside and getting better, whether it's by yourself, uh, being able to train the same way you play. Okay? You have, let's understand this from a trainer perspective now. Let's understand this for the younger players. You have possibly three days a week training, okay, with your team. That's supposed to cover team. The way the team plays. You understand? So, and some teams train four, which leaves another three days in the week. One of them might go to game days, which leaves two more days in the week. You can't sit around those two days if you want to be a great, great player. Those are the days where you're doing private training or you're training by yourself because you're not getting the detail, the fundamental growth, the same repetition, repetition, repetition that's supposed to make your first touch or your first pass, your wall pass. You're not perfecting it. So a year progresses, a year progresses, a year progresses. Yes, you were a good player, but you never kept progressing what you were good at. And then now, after four years, instead of being here, you're still here. So become obsessed with being good. Uh, do your research. Study the game. Be positive. Uh, the first time you're told no, the second time you're told no, the third time you're told no, the fourth time you might be told yes. And if it means something to you, if it means something to you, it should mean more to you. Where any no should just that fire within you, that obsession that that fire created. Okay, so it's it's there's a lot of potential in the area. There's a lot of potential in the area, and a lot of players can be very very good players in their future. Work hard, and become obsessed with your work, with your craft. That's the 100%. biggest advice I can give you. That's I mean, that's great advice. I think there's a level to the. When working hard doesn't cut it, the, the word obsession becomes more applicable. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate your time. This is a great conversation. No problem. From England, the first. Hey, my name is Omar. Um, me and Eric go way back. Hey, I remember that game in Mexico as well. Mm. Yeah, you had a very good couple of games in Mexico. Let's yeah. not play that as well. Thank you. And I know that was big for you because we did a lot of work before that tournament to be able to go there and play the way a lot of guys, some guys played, including you. It was, was unbelievable. It was very good to watch. Thank you, man. You know, I appreciate it. You were a very good co-team. So uh, you can you have things to tell your grandson, your grandkids about. That's the plan. That's the plan for All sure. Right. All right, guys. Happy New Year. Omar, always a pleasure. We will chat offline because I have some ideas for you on various things. But with that, guys, we'll see you guys next time. Peace and Happy New Year.
Take care, everyone.